You may be seated. Good morning, Southwinds. We get a great chance this morning to hear from an old friend of our church, of our Southwinds family. This is Pete Ramirez, and he was recently uh, voted to be our executive director of the California Southern Baptist Convention. So you've been in the convention for a long time. Five years, okay, yeah, and pastored, but uh, he's been in the state just doing ministry for a long, long time, has a real heart for missions and evangelism, but he's gonna be overseeing all of the churches and just doing a great work. So he's an old friend. Now you have two daughters and one grandson? One grandson, yeah. Okay, are you showing a picture today? No, I don't have a picture Oh, of him. you can't preach in Pastor Mike's pulpit and not show a grandson. I'm sorry. Okay, so <laughs> anyway, but let's welcome Pete Ramirez, everybody. Thank you. Good. good morning. You know, it is an honor to be able to come and preach here again with you all and just be able to share God's word. And, and um, we, we get to do a lot of things at the state convention. We get to help a lot of churches. We, we get to support a lot of churches because churches give and churches are, 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 are working together. And, and so it's exciting to see people getting saved all the time, people getting baptized. It's, 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 it's great to see our, our churches doing all kinds of stuff in their community and be a, a small part of that. But my favorite part of this whole ministry that we get to do is to be visiting churches and to be able to preach God's word. That, that is truly uh, one of the most, most great, greatest things that I get to do. And, and then to minister to, to pastors is, is just great. And so your pastor, Brother Mike, is, is a good friend of mine and just love him to death. I'm, I'm so grateful of how he serves with, uh, with our convention. He's, in the past, I don't know if you know, but he was the president at one time of the convention here in California. And he, worked, he served on the board. That's where we served together. Uh, and then now he's with California Baptist University. And, and just, I want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing him to do that. Uh, thank you for Brent Ives. I don't know, I don't, I don't see him around, but he's on, on the board that, that, I, that I work for. And, you know, he voted for me to become elected as the state exec. And uh, as a state exec, it's a, it's a hired position that I get to do. And basically, I'm, I'm your missionary. I'm your missionary here in California. We get to work with church planting and all the other stuff that we get to do. It's just, it's good. It's a, it's a, it's a good time for our convention here in California. We just had our big annual meeting in Anaheim where the whole country gathered, all the Southern Baptists, and we had over 12,000 that, that were present. And uh, we had a party. We celebrated. We took care of some business. But God has been doing some really, really neat things. And that's all I'll say about that. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Acts chapter 13. We're going to be looking at the first five verses this morning. And we're going to be looking at the marks of a missionary church. The, the marks of a missionary church or the characteristics of a missionary church. And we're going to look at five. Don't worry, I already was told I have only two hours to preach. So, you know, we're going through five. I know it's five points. There's a whole bunch of sub points. And we'll go quickly through them. But I think as we look at these, these, this passage and as we look at what God is doing with this church, what we'll see is God's plan from the very beginning with his church that he makes clear to them in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 1, right? He says, you will be my witnesses, right? In Jerusalem and Samaria 
and, and, you know, and, and he just goes all the way to the outermost parts of the earth, right? We see this, this call of, of how they are to work. And if you look at Jerusalem, it's kind of like the infancy stage of the church. We see that very early on in the book of Acts. They, 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 they start working there, and the Pentecost comes, and it's just a great time where the Holy Spirit is working through his church. And then they, they expand because of the persecution. They go to Judea and Samaria, and, 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 and these churches, churches begin to pop up. One of the churches that pops up is the church we'll be looking at this morning, and that's the church of Antioch. And this church, these churches begin to pop up because people are getting persecuted. The, the believers are getting persecuted, and they're leaving Jerusalem, and they're starting these churches up. And we see as we go through the book of Acts later on that the gospel goes to the outermost parts of the earth. Today, we're looking at this chapter 13 that is kind of the beginning of Paul's first missionary uh, trip. And we'll see that, how he is called, how the team is built. But primarily, we're going to look at what the church does as they send out these missionaries and the heart of the missionaries that are being sent out. So if you're there with me, I want to read uh, the passage, and I'm going to ask you to stand as we read the first five verses here. And I'm reading out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible, so I, I believe it'll be on the screen. You can follow along with me. It says, in the local church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was from Niger, Lucius, the Syrian, Manaim, a close friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they, worshiped, and they ministered to the Lord, and, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid their hands on them, they sent them off. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they came down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Arriving in Salamis, they proclaimed God's message in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. Let me pray. Father, as we're here this morning, Lord, I just thank you for your word. Because, Father, I believe that it is a guide for us today. It is a guide for us to follow, it is a guide for us that allows us to walk Father in step with you. And as your church to walk in step with your Holy Spirit, Father, in the time of the book of Acts, Father, we want to continue to do the same today. So, Father, I pray that as we look at the marks of this church, when we look at the characteristics of this church, Father, that it would help this church of Southwinds to be faithful, Father, to how you want it to live out its missional life. Father, I pray that you speak through me this morning, your words and on my own, Lord, for your glory. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I said there was five points, so I'm going to have to go quickly, okay? The, the first thing we see in, in this church is that it is a spiritually functioning church. It is a spiritually functioning church. What do I mean by a spiritually functioning church? Well, it has some indications of 
how it, it, it is functioning and it has some indication of how it is healthy. First and foremost, we see in verse 1 that it has spiritual leaders. And the spiritual leaders are the prophets and the teachers that we see here in verse 1. Every church that's healthy, that's going to be a missional church, that's going to make an impact for the kingdom, needs to have spiritual leaders. These prophets and these teachers were, were people that spoke on behalf of God. Today, we don't necessarily use the word prophet. We call them the preacher, right? And then the teachers, of course, are, are the, now we call them sometimes the, the person that hosts the, the, the home group at, 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 the, at the house, right? They know the Bible, they can teach the Bible, and of course we also have teachers that teach in our classes, but they had the right kind of leaders. They had prophets and they had teachers that were teaching in the church. And folks, this is important that we understand every church needs to have a pastor. Every church needs to have people that are trained and prepared to teach the Word of God and that are gifted in that teaching. And so we see that that is one of the healthy indicators of the spiritual functioning church. Another indicator of the spiritual uh, uh, functioning church is that it is culturally diverse. And as I look in this room, I see diversity. And that's important, folks. Why? Because just like there was diversity in this church, in the community around this church, it showed in the congregation. And the same way here, I mean, we're not quite in the Bay Area, but the Bay Area is kind of seeping into Tracy, right? And I lived in the Bay Area for eight and a half years. I loved living in the Bay Area because the weather was great. I now live in Fresno. <laughs> and so in, in Fresno, we, we do have a, a diversity of cows. And you guys had a bunch of them out of here. I saw them too. <laughs> I mean, in, in Fresno, we have a diversity of people as well. Um, but not like in the Bay Area. In the Bay Area, I'd be walking down the supermarket, and, and I mean, it was just like the world was there. It was wonderful. I, I loved it, and I, and I missed that part. It, but our, our, the churches need to be reflective of their community. It just can't be just the Jews that were saved and maybe some Samaritans. No, they need to have a, a, a diverse group of people. And we see that in, in verse 1. It says that it, there, there was Barnabas. Barnabas was a part of this church. Barnabas was, was a, a Jewish man uh, that, that was known by the churches in the area. We had Simeon who was called Niger. He probably was from Africa, right? So was Lucius, this, the Syrian. He was uh, also from there. And Manaim was a close friend of Herod. So he was part of, uh, of the culture there of where they were at. And Saul. Saul of where? Sardis, right? So, so we had these different men, men that were part of the Roman Empire, Jewish. We had people from Africa. We had people from different places. These five men that, are, that are, are named out here in this passage, it's not just a random thing. I think it's important for us to see these, these men and their diversity and ethnicity and culture because it's letting us know that this church was composed of different people. And what's really neat is that it didn't make one of them more important than the other. It just names them. It just says, this is who the church is. I, I, I'm, 
I mean, I pastored primarily Hispanic churches when I was a senior pastor. I, pastored two, I was a senior pastor of two churches, and my goal was always to reach our community. I always did it bilingual. Uh, bilingual. I did Spanish and I did English, right? And because we all know in heaven we're going to be speaking Spanish. You guys know that, right? But I did both because people need to, to be able to understand when I'm preaching. And so, uh, and, and so it was important for me to have a culturally diverse church because it, that's healthy. That's spiritually healthy. And that's what we saw in this church. And so I want to encourage you, church, continue to reach your community. And as you reach your community that is diverse, Folks, you will continue to be healthy every day more and more as a church, spiritually healthy. The other thing that we see is that they're spiritually healthy in their disciplines, in their disciplines. It says there that they were ministering to the Lord. They were, they were, they were praising the Lord. They were worshiping the Lord. They were serving together. Um, I forget your name, Brother the Usher, that used to be the Levite. What's your name again? Michael. So Brother Mike, you know, he came up here and, you know, he talked about how he served. And I bet that one of the greatest things about serving is the people you get to serve with, right? I mean, you cook them bacon. You got to be like the most favorite guy there, right, in, in the group. That's the other thing that happens in a spiritually functioning church. There is fellowship. There is relationship. And there are a lot of lonely people in the world. And that's because they don't minister before the Lord together. They want to do car clubs, and I love car clubs. I've, I'm, a, I'm a part of a couple. That does not fit, fill the heart the way that ministering together before the Lord does. Serving the Lord. Worshiping the Lord together. I bet this worship team that was up here, they probably get together more than just Sunday morning when they come and play, and they build bonds with one another. That's what happens when we minister together. You guys have been ministering together here for 75 years. But very few of you look like you've been here that whole time, okay? And that's good. That's good. We continue to minister together and bring people in and be able to, to, to share God's word. And, and it's just so, so important. But let me, let me tell you, as we think of a missional church, you cannot be a healthy missional church if you're not healthy at home first, right? So it's so important that these three indicators that I told you about, that they're actually happening within the home church if you're going to think about reaching the outermost parts of the earth. And so it's important to be spiritually healthy at home by having the, the, the right kind of godly leaders, by making sure that you are diverse like your community, and, and then making sure that you are ministering together and serving the Lord together. Amen? Here's number two. You ready for number two? A missionary church, a missionary church, a missional church is, the, is a spirit-hearing church. A spirit-hearing church. In verse 2, it tells us that when they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, what did he say? Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. And so here we see that they're hearing the, the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't tell us how they 
heard the Holy Spirit. It just tells us that the will of the Holy Spirit was revealed, right? How it was revealed, we don't know. But we know that in the time of the book of Acts, many times the prophet would speak and would say, the Lord has revealed to us such and such a thing, right? There was a word from the Lord. Now, did it happen like that? I don't know. It doesn't give us details of how that happened. Today, how does the Holy Spirit reveal to us truth? Well, we, we read God's word, we, we study it, we understand it, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us. One time a young man, a friend of mine, told me, he said, he, he, I was ministering to him, he was in junior high, he says, how do, I, how do I know the will of God for my life? I said, read the Bible, live according to it, that's the will of God. The Holy Spirit will show you exa exactly what you need to do when you get in certain situations, right? Isn't that the way it works? And as children of God, we have the blessing to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that's that voice that is inside of us that is guiding us according to the word of truth to tell us what we need to do. It's so important that we pay attention to the word of God, that we read the word of God, that we study the word of God so that we can live out the word of God as the Holy Spirit is prompting us. Here there was somebody that was prompted. Perhaps the prophets Perhaps the, the pastors of this church were, were shown who they needed to send out. And they heard. They paid attention. See, churches today continue to do that. I mean, when you call a pastor to come serve in your church, the Holy Spirit prompts somebody to come and to say, this is the person that needs to serve there. When, when, when you're ready to, to put somebody to work with the children's ministry, not only do you fingerprint them, get their social security number, right? Take blood from them and do a blood test, right? You do everything you need to do, but first and foremost, I'm joking about that stuff, right? First and foremost, you do what? You pray. You pray. And you ask God, Lord, who, is the, who are the people that are going to come and serve here? Who are the people that have gifts? They were a spirit-hearing church. Folks, it's important that as we're doing church, if we're going to be a missional church, that we continue to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want? Who are the people? And that we're hearing the Holy Spirit as he's leading us and as he's opening our eyes and as he's showing us who are the people that need to be serving. Amen? Number three. Number three, this missionary church, this, another mark of this missionary church is that it's a self-sacrificing church. It's a self-sacrificing church. How many of you like to fast? Any of you like to fast? No? My body likes it when I fast because it loses weight, right? My guts don't like it when I fast because they start cramping up and they start craving every little sugar thing that's out there, right? You know, waffles with syrup and, you know, all that good stuff, right? But, but this church said that they fasted. Now, they didn't just fast for the sake of, of trying to lose weight. No, they, they fasted for the sake of of trying to seek God's word, taking something out of what they did every day because, you know, back in the day, it took a lot to, to make food. You, you've, you've been on a farm, right? What do you have to do in a farm to, to have food? You gotta go get the goat, 
You got to go kill the goat. You got to go skin the goat. You got you, you to prep the fire. You, you got to do a lot of stuff. Today, just throw it in the microwave three minutes later, and you're already thinking it took me too long, and you've got yourself a, 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 a full meal, right? Nobody wants to eat that, but you can't. Or you just drive down to the closest McDonald's and you can feed the whole family for $50 nowadays, right? My goodness, inflation is crazy. Back in the day, it, it took a lot. So if you were fasting, that gave you a whole lot more time to do what? To pray? It gave you a lot more time to do what? To minister? To, to worship? This, this, this church sacrificed something that was important to them, but they didn't just stay away from that. They paid attention to something that was more important. They were ministering as they, kept, they were serving with the time that they had taken away from eating and preparing the meal. Folks, I, I know that this church is a self-sacrificing church. Because there's other ways that we self-sacrifice, not only with our time, but also with our gifts. You know, your church, you guys could probably hire another full-time uh, person with what you give to missions. Did you know that? What you give to missions is significant. What you give for other churches to be planted is significant. What you give for other churches to be able to do outreaches is significant. I know because we receive the checks every month. Sometimes a couple times a month. And you sacrifice so that the, the, the word of God can go out through other places where you're not at. The churches in the New Testament did the very same thing. In the book of Philippians, in chapter 4, verses 15 through 17, this is what Paul says about the church in Philippi. He says, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Their willingness to give was a benefit to them. Folks, they sacrificed, but yet it benefited them. I'll tell you something. On the churches that I've pastored in the past, when we've gone on missionary trips, like we did, you know, Vancouver, we've gone to Guatemala, we went to different places. Every time we went someplace else, people were always like, why are you going over there when we have so many people to reach in our backyard? Well, we go because that's the command. Go and make disciples of all nations. But I'll tell you something that happened with our church. Every time that we would go, people would come back to their community and they would be more ready than ever to reach their own community because they knew what it was like to be a missionary. And they were excited. And our church always grew. It was a benefit to us as we were faithfully doing the work of God. It took time 
for mission trips, for people to, to raise money to go. It, it took their vacation. Now they could not go to, to Disneyland for a week. Now they were on, on Guatemala, staying in a, in, a, in, a, in a hotel that was full of humidity and, 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 and mosquitoes and getting bit and maybe even get sick in their stomach. But you know what? We were being faithful. They were self-sacrificing. This church self-sacrificed. They, they fasted before the Lord. Number four, another mark of a missionary church is that it's a people-sending church. Again, I've, I've already told you that, you know, we, the churches that I've been part of the past, I, we, we send people out. Here, they send out who? Barnabas and Saul. It tells us that they sent them out, and not only did they send Barnabas and Saul, but they also sent John Mark. He was their assistant, it tells us there in, in, verse, in verse 5. They, they sent out Barnabas and Saul. Now, if, if you know anything about the, the book of Acts, you know that Paul and Barnabas were two pretty hefty dudes. I mean, they, were, they knew their stuff. They, they did significant work. I mean, Paul, later on, you know, he, he, he is the the best church planner that we ever see. I mean, they didn't, just, they didn't just keep the best guys behind and said, let somebody else go. No, they sent their best. So I don't know if your pastor ever gets sent out to, to be a missionary, but you should send them out every once in a while. I'll tell you, it always made my sermons better. I don't know if his sermons could get better, but, but, uh, but it, it, it is good to send out your very best to go and do the work of a missionary. And here, that's what they did. They empowered them. They released them. They allowed them to go. Why? One, because the Holy Spirit was guiding them. But two, because this is who God had called out. And folks, let me tell you, every one of you, no matter how old and no matter how young, we're all called to go on the mission field. I received my calling into ministry in the mission field. My church used to go to, to Tijuana, to Mexico, right across this border. I was in the LA area. That's where I grew up. We would go to, to Mexico like three times a year. Uh, on, the, on the worst van that you can find, you know, we were just fortunate to get there. If, you, if a mosquito hit the tire, it would probably pop. I mean, but we'd get there, and we, we'd be out in, the, uh, out in the hills where people lived in tents with, uh, that were just made out of tarp and, and pieces of, of metal and cardboard. That's where the people lived. That's where we went, and we shared the gospel. And I remember being 12 years old, 11 years old, and translating for my, for my friends and people receiving Jesus. When I was 17, I, I, I went and worked for the Southern Baptist Convention to be a missionary in California. We saw over 300 people come to faith. And God stirred in me a calling and made me, made me realize that I was called to be a pastor at that age. Mission trips are so important. God will show you that you have gifts. He will show you that there's something for you to, to, to use when you come back to your church. I want to encourage you that the next time that you hear, hey, we're going here on a mission trip, and it could just be to the migrant fields, but maybe, you know, they're going to say, hey, we're going to Romania to go help people coming out of Ukraine. 
that you would say, hey, you know what? Maybe God is calling me to go. See, the, the missionary church is willing to go and they're, they're willing to send their best. I still have time, so I want to share with you a story. In the, the last church I was at, um, I had some amazing young people. I mean, these, these guys could, could play instruments. They knew how to count them, and I could put them on my finance committee. There, was, there were just some really sharp kids that were in their mid-20s, you know, late-20s, and, and I just was so excited about what God was going to do with them and our church going forward. Little did I know that God was going to call me out because if I would have known that God was, call me, was going to call me out, I probably would not have done what I did. And that is when I found out that a church across town was, was going to open, I, I, I talked to these young people and I said, look, this church across town is going to open. They need some help. Will you guys be willing to go to their opening services, to their preview services, and would you guys be willing to, to just like be greeters or whatever they ask you to do? Are you guys willing to do that? And if, if you guys want to go over there and then you guys want to stay over there because you feel God is calling you to stay there, then you're more than welcome to do that. And guess what? Like 30 of them left. A few came back. But when I left the church, people were upset. Like, he sent all the young people out to another church, and then he left. I had no idea, folks. I had no idea. I had to apologize. I had no idea. But what, what I'm saying is, is this. You have to be willing to release and let God use these people. And they continue to be in that church where, where we sent them. They, they're leading worship there. They're, they're leading children's ministry there. They're doing all kinds of stuff. And the home church is fine. It's fine. You think that they missed Barnabas and Paul? Maybe. Maybe they didn't have those great preachers there for, for a couple weeks or for the time that they were gone. But when we look later on, they came back. They came back and visited and reported everything that they did on the mission trip before they went back out again. Not together, but separate eventually. <laughs> they separated. But, but they did. They, they, they sent out their best. A missionary church sends out people. Maybe you're the one that they will send out. Anybody want to go? Nobody raised their hands. I see one hand. Excellent. I'll let Mike know. Anybody else? This is not the, this is not the altar call, okay? I'm just saying. Is God stirring your heart? It's real comfortable staying at home and just saying, ah, oh, just give my tithe. I know it's going to helping missions. You know, what does the great commandment say? Go to church and give your tithe so that other people can make disciples of all nations, right? And they can be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is that what your Bible says? No. It's as you go. So who's going to sign up? I mean... We're still in the COVID world. I know it's, it's hard, but you know, we've got to be willing to go when God calls. The last thing, the last one, the last mark that I want to share with you of this missionary church is that it's a Savior-proclaiming church. It doesn't go out just to do good will, good works. It doesn't go out just to, just to feed people. It goes out proclaiming the gospel. 
In verse 5, it says they proclaimed God's message in the Jewish synagogues. They, they went and shared Jesus. They went and shared the good news of the gospel. Folks, when we go on mission trips, this is what we must do. This is what Barnabas and Saul were doing. As you, as you continue reading this, this, this chapter here, the next chapter, as you're looking at this first missionary uh, uh, trip that they took, you see where they went. You see that people were getting saved, that they, that they were starting churches. You also see that Paul gets stoned and almost killed, right, for, for doing the work. But you know what? It's worth it. Proclaiming the gospel won't be easy. Proclaiming the gospel is, is, it, it could, could cost you your life. We know many a missionaries whose life has been taken because they went into places, probably because they did some missionary, missionary mistakes, but, but they were faithfully preaching the gospel. Maybe it won't cost you your life. But if you have fears, I want to challenge you. Let, let God work in you in such a way that you can just say, Lord, send me and I'll go. And Lord, overcome my fears. Because he can do that. He wants to do that with you. We, we have to be people that are proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that Jesus, what, came and died on the cross of Calvary, that he shed his blood for you so that your sins may be forgiven, that he resurrected on the third day, that he has power over sin and death, and that all who would believe in Jesus for the salvation of their soul that they may know that because of God's grace, the gift that's not earned, but the, God, the gift that is given through Jesus, that all who believe that Jesus died for their sins and resurrected from the death may be saved. Folks, you need to be able to share that message. You need to be willing to share that message. You need to go out everywhere to share that message. If we're not doing that as a church, then we're not being a missional church. We're missing the key ingredient. Because folks, he came to die and to resurrect so that we may go and proclaim the gospel. He didn't give this job to angels. He gave it to sinners like you and I that are forgiven by grace. We can share something that we received. We can share it with passion. You might not know all the verses, but you can talk about what God has done in you and for you. And you can testify and proclaim God's goodness. So let me ask you this. Because Every organization is only as strong as its weakest partner. I heard that the other day, and I thought, oh, man, we partner with a lot of people. I don't want to be the weak link. We, we're, making, we're doing the best that we can to make 
California Southern Baptist Convention staff, the best partner with all our other partners and all our churches. We, we want to be the best because we don't want to be the weak link that's holding everybody back. Let me ask you this. If that were true, and I'm not saying it is, but if that were true about our church, that we're only as strong as the weakest person, are you the weakest person when it comes to missions? When it comes to being a missional church? Are you the one that's maybe saying, no, I don't want to go, I don't want to talk to those people? I don't want to be obedient to God here. I just pray that the Lord would stir in this church a missional calling, not just to your Jerusalem like the infancy stage, not just to Judea and, and Samaria and California and, 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 and maybe the, the United States, but to the outermost parts to the earth because that was what the Holy Spirit was trying to do with his church. Do you see that? And that's what we're called to do. So today the... The decision that we need to make is this. Will you be a missional church member? Will you be a missional church member? I believe that's the calling for us today. Will you be willing to sacrifice? Will you be willing to go? Would you be willing to hear? Would you be willing to send? Will you be spiritually healthy in that way? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity to hear from the Lord. You know the Word of God. You've heard the Word of God. But now will you respond to Him? And perhaps what you need to say is just, Lord, here I am. Send me. In the words of Isaiah, will you just say, here I am, Lord, send me. And it's as easy as that. Let the Lord send you. Let him show you what doors are open. It doesn't mean you have to live out there the rest of your life. Maybe it's just a short mission trip, whatever it is. But will you just say, here I am, Lord, send me. Let me pray for us. Father, you do speak. And you show us clearly, Lord God, that there's a work to be done in this world. There are millions, Father, that still need to hear the truth of the gospel. And Father, there are hundreds here that you have called to go. And Lord, the, the influence of just one that would go could speak to hundreds, that can then speak to thousands, that can then reach the millions, Lord. Who here, Father, are you sending out today? Who here, Father, today has said, Lord, send me? Lord, I pray that this church would, would seek and see, Lord God, and be able to say, these have been set aside by the Lord to go. Father, I pray that this church may continue to be missionally focused for another 75 years and that you may be glorified. Thank you for what they do. May they continue to do more for you. 
Lord, thank you for those that have responded to your call today. Bless them. Show them, Lord God, your will. Bless, Lord, the tithes and offerings that I see we're getting also prepared to, to pick up, Lord. They are a gift to you for your goodness, Lord. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to be here this morning with you all.